Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast. Brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick, and welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. Today's episode, number 39, is another fabulous interview. And by the way, when I say fabulous, I am referring to the guest, not myself. Um, another fabulous interview with a, a huge contributor to the WordPress community. This is Troy Dean of WP Elevation. And I had the good fortune of being on Troy's podcast it was actually a video interview and he was just a ball to talk with. I feel like we were hanging out. So, you know, Australia is definitely one of those places on my to-do lists, uh, places that I want to go. So I have a couple other friends there and I will definitely look him up when I get over there. I think you're really going to get a ton out of this. So even if, and Troy's got some other things going on. He also is uh, one of the founders of the video user manuals and you can listen to all that in the show, but what is so awesome about this interview is truly because regardless of whether or not you have a WordPress business, this is really a solid interview in terms of marketing online, growing an audience and treating your site like a business. It was just a ton of information. I would actually recommend you take notes on this one. It was that fantastic, which just goes to show you probably goes to show you probably, I love my grammar sometimes, goes to show you the type of content and value that you would get uh, in WP Elevation. So go ahead and listen to the interview, take notes, make sure to reach out, connect with him, join join WP Elevation if you've got a, a WordPress consultant business, development business, anything around you know building a WordPress business, this is for you. Anyways, enjoy the interview. Thanks, guys. Before we get into your WordPress career and WP Elevation, everything you're doing now, fill us in on how you ended up with an online business. What were you doing before this? Wow. That's, uh, I'll try and give you the, the Cliff Notes version. Um, so I was essentially I was a musician and a voiceover artist. So I was playing gigs and doing voiceovers for commercials on radio and television. And that was pretty much all I was doing. And I was having a pretty good life. Um, I had a lot of time on my hands. Uh, I was, you know, having a, a bit of a party, and um, I, and, and then I kind of just started to get bored. So I, I've always been fascinated with computers and technology. The first computer I had uh, was an old Vic Twenty, and <laughs> I uh, the first thing I did was worked out how to program it to to say my name across the screen like a, a gazillion times. <laughs> That's I've awesome. Kind of, <laughs> I've always been fascinated with how things work. And so I started mucking around on the web. I started building flash websites. I, I had a bunch of mates who were in bands and in the film industry, and I started building websites for them just as a hobby. And then one of my mates said to me, um, I, I want to pay you to build me a proper website. And I, I was like slightly offended. I'm like, what do you mean? I have been building you proper websites. <laughs> and um, he said, no, 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 I want to pay you to build me a proper website. And I said, all oh, right, okay, well, if you're going to pay me to do it, then I better learn how to do it properly. So I went off and taught myself HTML and CSS and PHP and MySQL, and I wrote my first content management system in Notepad Plus, and I was really proud of it. Um, and at that stage, I really wasn't even thinking I was going to have an online business. I thought I'd you know, just kind of muck around and see if I could get some clients and see where it took me. And the more I got into it, the more I got fascinated with 
marketing and the more I got fascinated with building a business. And, and so for me, kind of having an online business became about building something. And I kind of see building a business now as a similar process to building a website. You have all these components. So with a website, you have themes and plugins and design and, you know, copy and photography and um, conversions. And you, you bring all that together to build a solution. And for me, a business is about taking the different components of the business and using them like Lego blocks to build something that's greater than the sum of the parts, if that makes sense. No, that's an awesome analogy. And and especially when you think about, no, like, if you're learning how to, d- to build websites that you may be stronger in CSS than you are in PHP. So you have to strengthen all those different skills and it, it kind of flows and there's a process to it, just like a business. So you may, you may jump into it and, <clears throat> excuse me, you think you've got one thing down and all of a sudden you're like, I don't have a clue about email marketing or SEO or, yeah. or engagement and audience stuff. So no, I love that analogy. I think I, I can see the infographic in my head. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And so I guess that the, the, then just became kind of an evolution that, um, you know, uh, I, I kind of got, uh, as soon as I discovered WordPress, of course, I, I discovered WordPress pretty early on and realized I didn't have to build my own content management systems. And I discovered WordPress and then I discovered this community around WordPress and then that changed everything. Then I knew I was, this is it. I'm all in. This is what I want to do. Uh, I kind of felt like I'd found my tribe and I knew that I just, I wanted to play in the sandpit for a while and, and see where it took me. Okay. So when were you, do- can you just give us a time frame? Um, when did you start kind of doing the websites more, you know, taking it more seriously. But what, when was that? So that was about 2006. I started thinking about uh, doing it and, and you know, I had a few mates who were offering to pay me to build websites and I started learning and I bought all the recipe books and, learnt, you know, taught myself code. And then 2007, I discovered WordPress and, um, and I just built this CMS and then, t- and then I discovered WordPress. I downloaded it. I started using it and I thought, oh, wow, I've just, I've just done – in like the last two hours, I've just done what I've done in the last six weeks. <laughs> you know, I kind of realized how rapidly I could build things now using WordPress. So that was 2007. Uh, it was like, you know, version, I don't know, 2.4 or whatever it was back then. It was a very different beast to what it is today. I actually just had a client that hadn't updated since two point something. <laughs> and we migrated it. I use Flywheel and they migrated it. They're like, that is the oldest version of WordPress. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. All, yeah I, I forgot kind of what that looked like. Um, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, so that's good to know. I mean, so you've been at this for seven years. It's not been some yeah. like, hey, you're jumping on a bandwagon by any means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> so when you got started with WordPress, were you primarily doing client sites and client work? Yeah, totally. I, like all client sites. So I was I was pretty active as a voiceover artist here in Melbourne. And so I started building websites for voiceover studios and, you know, friends of mine who were in bands and then uh, other friends of mine started a record label and I built a website for them. And then I had another friend of mine who was a voiceover coach and I built a website for her. That was my first e-commerce site. Uh, you know, and back in those days I was using Magento, I think, because, you know, WooCommerce didn't exist and the other e-commerce solutions weren't great. So I was, yeah, I was just building client sites and then I had my own portfolio site and I was kind of tinkering with WordPress to see what it was capable of. But for me, the aim was, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to start a business now and I'm going to do client services as a freelancer and I'm going to build WordPress websites for clients. And so I was using, you know, premium themes back then and then started getting into some custom design and, and learning how to take a design and convert it into a WordPress theme, which was a whole other, you know, huge learning curve. Absolutely. What about now with starting the business of that? So 
you know, as you started doing freelancing and started working with clients, you know, and we'll get into what you've created that has, you know, removed tons of, of, you know, roadblocks for people getting into this. What are some of the challenges you faced when you were building the freelance business? So I think the biggest challenge I had was knowing how long a project was going to take. So, you know, when I first started out, I was, I was like, I think the first website I built, I charged $1,200 and I, you know, it took me way too long, you know, and I I remember uh, my, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, um, who was saying, you know, wow, you're spending a long time on this website and, and the client's only paying you $1,200. And I remember saying to her at the time, yeah, but this is like, like I can't go to I can't go back to college and learn how to do this because this technology is so new they're not teaching it right so I see this as a paid education this is like my apprenticeship I'm learning how to do this and I know I'm not, doesn't seem like I'm making a lot of money out of this project but the client's kind of paying me to learn how to do this so then you know once you've done a couple of projects I started to put my fees up a little bit and getting a bit more confident and then the biggest challenge I had was taking a brief from a client, working out what it is they wanted and then thinking, okay, how long is this going to take and how can I charge in a way that the client is still reasonable for the client but still make sure that I'm going to make a profit at the end of the day and, you know, I'm not going to be sitting up until midnight, five nights a week for the next four weeks to do this project because I'm really kind of still learning how to do it. That's huge. And I want to get into more of that when we get into uh, WP Elevation. But sure. l- let's talk a little bit about when you started Video User Manuals and, and yeah. explain what that is for people who may not be familiar with it. So here's the thing. This is what I love about WordPress, right? So, And I didn't realize this at the time, but I realize this in hindsight now, is that one of my passions is leverage. So one of my, one of my big passions is how can I deliver value to my clients and how can I do that in a way that makes sense to me from a business point of view and also from my lifestyle point of view? So here's so pre, pre-discovering WordPress, I had a client ask me that these guys that started a record label, they said, well, this is what we want to do. We want This is the kind of website we want. We want to have gig guides. We want to have listings of all our bands. We want to have like a discography of all our bands. We want to, you know, showcase what our bands are doing, have a little bio for each band. So I started looking into it and I thought, okay, I'm going to need to – if I build this website, I just started building the website in Dreamweaver back then, and I thought, if I build this website for them, what's going to happen is I'm going to give them the website, they're going to come back to me in a week's time and say, hey, this band's now got a new gig coming up uh, on the on the Sunshine Coast, can you log in and add that gig to our website? And they're not going to want to pay me a lot of money for that, because for them, it's going to seem like a relatively small change. I'm not going to be able to charge them, like, what am I going to do, charge them $30 to do that? That's not sustainable, like, that's not worth my while. So that's why I built a content management system, which I then trained them how to make their own changes. Then I just, so that was the first leverage point. Okay, teach them, you know, teach Amanda Fish, you know, uh, give Amanda Fish your lead for a day, teach Amanda Fish your lead forever, that kind of thing. So then uh, I, that was the first leverage point. Second leverage point was discovering WordPress and going, wow, I don't need to build user profiles and access and lost password and, and image upload functions because WordPress has all this great functionality out of the box. So that was second leverage point. That was a big eye-opener. So then third leverage point was, hang on a second, I know how to use WordPress. I'm building this website for this client. I'm going to hand it over to them. It's awesome. It's really easy to use unless you've never used WordPress before. And then actually, it's not that easy to use. There's still a learning curve that I'm going to need to walk the client through to teach them how to use the WordPress dashboard. So I I literally locked myself in my room for two weeks and wrote a 100-page Word document 
with about 85 screenshots of how to use WordPress as an editor, not as an admin, just as an editor. Mm-hmm. And I took that along and I, gave, I, I literally printed that PDF out. Can you believe it? Oh, my God. And, all right, and had it bound and gave it to my client. I said, here you go. Here's your user manual for your new website. And they looked at it and went, wow, that's amazing. And they never rang me and asked me how to log in or how to change their content. They just rang me and said, hey, this is great. We need to now do this. Can you come in and help us do this? And I just got more work. But I didn't actually have to teach them how to use WordPress. So I had that aha moment. And I emailed a buddy of mine in Sydney who'd kind of introduced me to WordPress. And I said, hey, man, you're going to love this. I emailed him the PDF and I said, I've been using this for the last couple of weeks and clients just don't ask me how to do things. They just, you know, read this PDF. And I remember emailing it to him and I, I vividly remember this. And then I went off and I had a shower and I got out of the shower and there were like eight missed calls on my mobile <laughs> from, from Brian. And um, I rang him back and he said, man, this is unbelievable. He said, we have to turn this into a plug-in and we have to make videos and then we can sell it to other WordPress developers. And I said, well, do you know how to make a plugin? He said, yep, I can figure that out. I said, great, you make the plugin, I'll make the videos. And um, so, you know, we made the videos, he made the plugin. I still cannot remember the first person that bought it. I can't even remember how we put it up for sale. But Video User Manuals was born. At, and it was born out of me kind of looking ahead going, even if I give them a content management system, I still have to teach them how to use it and that's not sustainable. I can't be running around all over town teaching my clients how to use WordPress because how do I charge for that? That's not scalable. That's going to eat into my time. That time I could be spent working on other projects. So that's how Video User Manuals was born. And then, of course, the next leverage point was, oh, great, WordPress has just been updated. The whole dashboard's changed. What do we do now? <laughs> and, you know, that's when we realized, okay, we gotta, we got to charge money for this because, you know, there's a lot of work in updating these videos. And so that was in 2000 and, uh, 2007 it was kind of launched and, and we officially, I think, started selling it in 2008. Uh, and it's, you know, yeah, that, that's, that, so that's what Video User Manuals is. It basically, when, when you hand over a website to a client, instead of teaching them how to use WordPress, you just install our plugin and we put 55 video tutorials in your client's dashboard to show them how to use WordPress, WooCommerce and SEO by Yoast. Yeah, I was going to say those um, when I was checking it out the other day with, with WooCommerce and Yoast, that's an awesome, um, those are awesome additions. And you know what I was just thinking too is what an awesome, um, for lack of a better word, but a marriage of your previous talents in terms of voiceover acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, to really feel to pull in these videos. And so in the videos stream from you, you guys as host, is that it? Yeah, that's right. So we host all the videos on the Amazon S3. Um, and we just, uh, you know, so, so what happens is when you load up the videos, the first thing we do is check the serial number to make sure it's active. And then we check the version of WordPress that the client that your client is running and we serve up the right version of the videos based on the version of WordPress they're using. That is brilliant. Now, mm. having tested some plugin development myself, myself, not me developing them, but uh, uh-huh. having them developed and selling them, there's a ton of support and <clears throat> there's uh-huh. a lot more that goes into that than yeah. I think people you know are really aware of. And I mean, I think it's, it, I don't know why I keep saying awesome. Am I 12? Um <laughs> I say awesome all the time. It's my favorite word. I, I love the word, but I'm like, it just keeps coming out of my mouth. Um, but I think it's fantastic that you guys, you know, that you looked at it from the very beginning of in terms of leverage. And we talked about this last time, but seeing that, you know, what wasn't sustainable, but also, you know, it takes a while to record a 10 minute video. There's a lot more involved in just doing that. Mm-hmm. So 
seeing that from the forefront. So how much time do you guys put into keeping that stuff updated? And from the plugin perspective, you know, what are some things you learned along that way with support and customer service and that whole, you know, can of worms? Yeah. So it's interesting. First, firstly, on the support issue, we're pretty lucky because there aren't actually so two things. There aren't actually that many moving parts to our plugin. To be perfectly honest, the value in our plugin is the the value in our plugin is the fact that we make the videos. Uh, we relieve the teaching burden from you. So we basically teach your clients how to use WordPress and it's fully rebrandable. So you put your own logo on it. Um, there's no mention of us. You can basically take all the credit for it. So our plugin itself doesn't actually have that many lines of code because all the value is in serving up those videos in your client's dashboard. So we're kind of lucky in that respect. The main the main issue we have from a support point of view is that for some reason, you know, like some hosts might not allow an external call to the Amazon servers to, you know, grab our videos. So there's a few like hosting environment things. Um, occasionally, some client will have another plugin installed and that will, you know, clash with ours. So we need to drill in and help them. But the other thing about our business model is we sell plugins to WordPress developers, not end users. So, you know, we would have less than... of our customers are actually WordPress end users. They're all WordPress developers. So they're kind of, they're savvier than the average bear. So it's not like we're selling, you know, an an opt-in plugin that you install to capture leads on your website and then you install it and you turn it on and it doesn't work. Well, the first thing you're going to do is go and raise a support ticket and say, hey, I've installed your plugin, I've paid you 50 bucks and it doesn't work. With our plugin, you know, it's we're dealing with a savvier audience and there aren't that many moving parts anyway. So the setup of our plugin is a little bit detailed, but we make a lot of setup videos and we actually teach our customers how to set up the plugin to to mitigate the support. So one of the one of the philosophies we have is if we answer a support ticket three times, then the same same question three times from three different customers, then we need to go write a blog post about it. Uh, because, you know, we can't keep answering the same question. We just write a blog post about it and we publish that and we we share it with our audience. So they, you know, that just mitigates those future support tickets coming in. That's great. How well? How much time do you put into you know updating videos and yeah? So that's a very good question. Um, so WordPress three point nine is about to land, and uh, so we have a we have uh, and God love my business partner Brian, who is all over this like a rash. We have a quite a detailed process in Asana. We use Asana for our project management and our, our processes. So what happens is when a release candidate, when WordPress goes into RC1, release candidate one, will one of our staff, Michelle, will go through the new version. We'll install it on a, on a server. She'll go through the new version. She'll have a look at our plugin and she'll, she'll basically do an audit and say, okay, these videos need to be updated and we need three new videos here because there are new features. And then what happens is I get a notification of what needs changing uh, with kind of some loose direction on what needs to happen with the script. Sometimes it'll be very clear. Sometimes it'll be, you just need to add these three lines to this script. So then what I'll do is I'll make the changes here in my studio in Melbourne. I'll, re- I'll record any new videos uh, using ScreenFlow or I'll add any audio that I need to add and I'll put all of them back into our, our system into S3 and then I'll send Brian a notification saying, yep, I've done that. Then what he does is he sends the, um, the scripts off to be transcribed, retranscribed, they then get sent off to our voiceover artists in the UK and the US, and we also have a partner now in Mexico because we're about to relaunch the plugin in Spanish. That's um, great. <laughs> then our, our voiceover artists revoice them in their native accents and languages, send them all back, 
uh, upload them all back into S3. And then, you know, when you open WordPress, depending on what version you're using and what language and what country you're in, uh, it will automatically serve up the, the right video. And so our, so the answer to your question is, it depends on how much WordPress changes as to how much work is involved. But the good thing about our process and our team now is that it's not reliant on, like it used to be me, I used to do all of it. And that's a dangerous for the business and also dangerous for my mental health. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now it's kind of spread across the team. So, I mean, in theory, if, I, if any of us got hit by a bus, um, then someone else could step in and actually follow the process and, uh, you know, the whole process would continue to roll out. That is great. So tell me about the team process. You know, I actually, in my last episode that I did, I talked about growing pains of a business and outsourcing and building a team because it's crucial. There's no way to grow there. Yep. You know, we talked about leverage again too, and there is no way to grow. So when did you start putting together the team um, outside of you and Brian? Yeah, it's really, it's really, it's a really good question. Um, so Brian's, so we've had our own kind of, uh, We've had our own like our own assistance. Like so, I had developed when I ran my my web agency. Because so, so remember, we only kind of went full time on this in late 2012. Up until late 2012, Brian was running his own consultancy, and so was I. And we were kind of doing video use manuals part time. So in late 2012, I pulled the pin on my consulting business. I, I shut down my agency, and then I went back out as a freelancer. I said to Brian, "I'm just going to focus on this thing full time." But over the period of the last sort of four or five years, Brian's had a virtual assistant in the Philippines. I've had developers in India. When we teamed up and went full-time, one of the first things we did was we got our own assistant in the Philippines to kind of do some admin and research work for us. Um, now we have um, Michelle who works out of the out of Manila. So now we have an office in Manila. Michelle is kind of our project manager and she does all of the auditing of the videos and she manages a lot of the content on our websites. Uh, she's based in Manila. We have a back-end programmer, Jay, who is in Manila. And in the same office, we've just employed a front-end developer, Pat. Uh, we have – I've had an assistant up until um, – well, actually still working with me out of Pennsylvania uh, through a company called Zirtual. Kristen has kind of been my, my personal assistant. Um, I, we're now letting her go because I'm employing uh, Virginia three days a week. She starts with me on Monday here in Melbourne. Um, so the, so the, the answer to your question is, I think what you're asking is like, you know, when do you know when to employ staff and when to hire staff? The, and here's the thing, there's this kind of, the, the, I, I hear this all the time that the, you know, the best time to employ staff is when things are starting to fall through the cracks. And I kind of take a different approach to it. I know that the best time I think to hire people is when you know, that you could be adding more value to the business if you weren't doing what you're doing right now. Amen. So, you know, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? It's not a, it's not about oh, well we need to hire we need to hire support staff because stuff is falling through the cracks. No, 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 because as a founder, you can sit there and do support tickets all day and it won't fall through the cracks. But is that really what you should be doing? I don't really think that's what a founder or a co-founder or a creator of a product should be doing. So, my approach is when I realize that I'm spending too much time in front of the computer doing low value, what I call low value tasks. In other words, I'm really good at, at podcasting and interviewing people and presenting at conferences and rallying the troops and leading our tribe. That's what I'm really good at. I'm not, you know, I'm not great at developing. I'm not great at designing. I'm not great at writing the scripts for the videos. Um, you know, I'm, I'm better off doing other things. So when I find myself spending too much time doing something that I know that I'm not best at, 
that's when I ring Brian and say, mate, we need to put someone on to do this because, you know, we shouldn't be doing it. Well, and by you being out doing the things that you're good at, it's going to, the growth can be exponentially quicker. You're going to be able to engage more. And, you know, with the, with the podcast being able to reach and connect so many more people so much quicker, you know, it, it's like you were kind of are the, the, the voice, right? And the face of the brand, essentially. Yep. Yeah. Yep, so exactly. if, you, if you're not out there doing that, it's who is I mean, it's same for me. I'm like, I've got client work. But if I'm not creating content and podcasting and engaging with people, I'm like, there is no business. That's right. That's right. So, you know, there's this there's this, there's this TV show in Australia called The Biggest Loser. I'm sure you have it in the States as well. Um, in fact, I'm sure we probably stole it from you. Um, and anyway, one of the hosts is this girl named Michelle Bridges. And she, she now has like a $67 million a year company. That's her revenue, right? And she has cookbooks. She has a program called the 12-Week Body Transformation, which is an online program, which she's now rolling out into the States. She's, I think she's going to move her operations to the States. And, you know, she's, she's kind of like the new Oprah for the fitness and personal health industry. And she talks about her team and her management are always saying, you know, you need to go here and do this conference and here and do this press release. And you need to go here and be on this TV show and do this interview and do this book signing. And she's always saying to her team, hang on a second, just slow down. I need to spend two hours a day in the gym training. And they're like, no, 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 you're in amazing shape. I mean, she, she's 43 years old and she looks just incredible, right? And they're always saying, what are you talking about? You're in amazing shape. And she says, listen, if I don't stay in amazing shape, none of us have a job. The only reason we have a $67 million company, $67 million a year company is because I am in amazing shape and that's what people are buying into. So that's where I add the most value to the business is staying in amazing shape. God, that's a great analogy too. And it's, and I do, I think the other thing with, you know, bringing people on in a team is you have to do that in order to grow. There, there is no other way to do it. I, I don't think, you know, you have to be able to leverage yourself. And, and so you have to kind of plan for it. And sometimes you have to take that leap before you can justify it. Right. And, and I've done that multiple times thinking, okay, you know, we're going to just assume the work's going to, I need to bring somebody on before. I'm in that, oh my God, I have to find extra help mode, you know, and I I think it's taking that, that leap at times too and planning. I mean, it's not a complete, you know, blind leap, but, but looking down the road and saying, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to grow. And if I don't have the people here to support that, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this is good. Let's move on to a WP elevation. So fill in the listeners who don't know what is WP elevation and, and, you know, when you started it, the launch, the whole thing. Sure. So WP Elevation is a business accelerator program for WordPress consultants. So if essentially, if you're building websites for clients and you're using WordPress and you want to grow that business and you want to, you know, build a, a good business to support your lifestyle, then WP Elevation is exactly what that's designed for. And the reason WP Elevation exists is when I, when we when I decided to go full time on this product business, I started looking at our numbers and I thought, okay, we've got at the st- at that stage I think we had like eight and a half thousand people in our database and we had like I don't know eight hundred paying customers on various different kind of licenses, and I looked and I thought, I'm okay with the other seven and a half thousand people that haven't bought our product, but I'm curious. At some point, they signed up for our three. We've got these three free eBooks we give away, which get really good reviews and great testimonials and great feedback. So I know that, you know, we're not just collecting random email addresses. We collect high quality email addresses. All the people in our database are highly targeted people who are interested in word the business of WordPress. So they've signed up for the ebooks, they've gone through our our sales funnel and they haven't bought the plugin. 
that's okay. I just want to know how we can get our message better so that we can give them what it is they need. So I just sent them an email and said, hey, you know, I basically asked them, you signed up for our ebooks, but you didn't buy our software. That's cool. I'm not going to throw a tantrum or anything, but I just want to know, like, why didn't you buy our software? And I sent that email out of our email marketing program and I had my my email address as the reply to, I had 450 people reply to that email. Wow. And they, the overwhelming uh, feeling was, we don't have enough clients to subscribe to these premium monthly services. So some of the things they were saying is like, we'd love to buy a dev license of Gravity Forms. We'd love to subscribe to Basecamp. We'd love to buy your video user manuals plug-in every month, but we just don't have enough clients because we're freelancers. We're trying to quit our day job. I don't know where my next client's coming from. And they were all saying, can you help us find more clients? And so I said, okay, this is interesting. Um, so here's the theory. The theory then became... We have a large audience who will potentially uh, pay us for business education and we can build a sustainable business around that around that audience. So, and I've just, Brian and I just kind of been through the lean startup methodology and we'd been coached a little bit by Ash Mariah who wrote Running Lean. And he was, he was really encouraging us to test our theories with the least amount of work involved not because it's not because he wants us to be lazy but he wants to minimize waste so and here's the thing and this is a real passion of mine I, i'm sorry to go on a little rant here but here's the thing about the whole lean startup thing is the lean startup methodology is built on this philosophy that life is too short to build something nothing life is too short to build something nobody wants and that's actually not true i think the worst case scenario is life is too short to build something that 150 people want because if you build a product and you're selling it and 150 people buy it, it's too big to shut down because you've got to support them, but it's not big enough for you to build a sustainable business around. Yeah, for it to support so, you. <laughs> right. So building something that 10 people want, that's easy. You just shut it down and refund their money and apologize, right? But once you get like, I mean, depending on your price points, but once you've got a certain critical mass, it's like, oh, I can't, I mean, I, you know, at that point, we couldn't shut video user manuals down, but it wasn't enough to sustain us full time. We were still doing consulting work. So- so the theory then became, okay, we can leverage the relationship we've got with our audience. We can sell them business education. We can help them succeed. And if they succeed, that more of them will buy our, our software because they'll be succeeding. So what I did is I, I said to Brian, uh, the, the quickest way to test this is to put on a webinar where I'll, and because I had a little bit of credibility having run an agency and worked with some big clients, I, I said, I'll put on a webinar and I'll teach them how I ran my agency and how we found clients and how I put my pricing up and how I manage projects and how I got referrals and all that kind of stuff. And here's the thing. We'll sell tickets to the webinar as an experiment to see if our audience want to, are willing to pay us for business education. So we put up – I just I didn't even build the webinar. I just put up a sales page. I plugged it into Eventbrite and GoToWebinar. I and love the ticket put, selling thing for a <laughs> webinar. Nobody does that. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And and we put it – and we sold tickets and we did $11,500 in 48 hours. And, you know, we sold 84 tickets priced between $97 and $197. And I said to Brian, well, that proves that theory. They will pay us money for business education. We're on to something here. So I went and built the webinar and then I surveyed them all afterwards and said, well, what do you want to do now? And we, I got on Skype with a whole bunch of them and they said, we want you to coach us on a monthly basis, build a membership website, give us webinars, coaching calls, give us a members forum, give us the blueprints and all the tools and all the templates and all the training that we need to help us build an agency so that we can you know, succeed. And that was the birth of WP Elevation. 
Man, and that was when was that? July of or so that was in the first webinar was the twenty third of May last year, two thousand thirteen, and we officially launched the program. I think at the end of June, it was about the twenty sixth of June, uh, two thousand thirteen. Uh, we opened the doors for four days, and we had fifty five members join in the first weekend, and then we shut the doors for a couple of months just to work out what we were doing and how we were going to run it. And then once we had our systems worked out and our processes in place, uh, we opened the doors again, and now the doors are kind of open in an evergreen way and people are free to come and join whenever they like. God, that's great. Well, tell, so what are some of the, what is some of the content? What do you guys go through? And, you know, it's interesting in terms of a membership site, because it's funny, I keep, I've got a couple coaching clients and, and they're reading things and saying, oh, membership sites are dead. I'm like, they're just, they're not, you need to shift the way you look at it. And I think when you're providing value and, you know, really, you know, can, can deliver on that. And also obviously with what you guys are doing, if someone can, can take a skill, whether it's a proposal for a client or attracting more clients or managing the process and they get a higher return then that monthly fee, you know, it's just, you just forexed it and it's worth it to them. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting about membership sites too, because I interviewed Andrew Warner from Mixergy last week for our podcast, which will go live at the end of April. And I asked him, you know, what he's most excited about at the moment and, you know, what, like one piece of advice he would give someone starting out. And he said, build a membership website. He said, membership websites are the holy grail. It's monthly recurring revenue in your business. And here's the thing about, here's the thing about a membership website over a SaaS software as a solution, I believe. People join a membership website for the content, but they stay for the community. And so the, the, the fundamental difference between WP Elevation and video user manuals, because video user manuals is essentially, it's essentially software as a service. Mm-hmm. You're paying monthly and, you know, you're getting our, our content stream from our servers, um, is none of our video user manuals customers knew each other, whereas WP Elevation, they all know each other and there's a real community in WP Elevation. So anyone who says membership sites, is, membership sites are dead, I don't think they really understand that a membership site for me is just a, a tool, a vehicle to build a community. And I think the ultimate thing you can do in any business and the, 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 you know, any, the, the most valuable thing you can have in a business is a loyal community of followers and fans and people who love your stuff. But they take so, care of the marketing for you at a certain point, not that you stop. Exactly. <laughs> That's, yep, exactly. So, you know, we, I, get, I get emails and testimonials and, and forum posts all the time from WP Elevation members who join WP Elevation and within a couple of months they're, they're charging double what they were charging. Now, that's not hard because when you start out, most WordPress consultants are not charging anywhere near enough for their services because they don't have the confidence. There's this mentality that because we're using free open source software that we, are, you know, aren't allowed to charge decent fees for our website. So when I say you know, people join WP Elevation and they double their price very quickly, that it's actually not hard to double your price if you've been undercharging for so long, right? So I'm not pretending here that I'm some kind of messiah and I can teach you how to double your rates. What I'm saying is I think that one of the fundamental problems that we help WordPress freelancers with is getting their confidence up in, so they're getting their confidence up and helping them understand the value that they add to their client, which is not widgets and themes and plugins. So, you know, the, probably the first thing they learn when you join WP Elevation is stop talking about the technology and start selling value. And WordPress just happens to be a part of the solution that you offer once you've worked out what your what your customer's problem is. So we have templates, we have 
agendas that you print out, take along to a client meeting, and a series of questions that you ask the uh, client to get the right information out of them so that you can then write a proposal and maximize your chances of getting the gig. So every every touch point that you have with the client from the moment you cross paths with them until the moment you deliver a project and then then generating referrals for you, every touch point, we try and give you as many templates and tactics and training around those touch points so that you can maximize the value you add to the client and therefore maximize the profitability and the revenue that you get from that project. Outstanding. How how much time do you put into do you guys put in now is this you or is this you and Brian's this the whole company? Who's running so, WP Elevation? So I I head up WP Elevation. Brian kind of heads up video user manuals and I head up uh, WP Elevation. But we have a team of people who help us with WP Elevation. So I have um, you know, someone who helps me produce the podcast. We have editors. We have an editor who, who does all the podcast episodes. We have um, Michelle who manages the content and the members website. Um, but I, basically WP Elevation at the moment is I'm running it and I'm designing the content. And to answer your question, I'm spending about 800,000 hours a week <laughs> at the moment working on WP Elevation. Uh, so um, that's why we've- So we haven't quite hit the leverage point with WP no, Elevation yeah. yet. Yeah, that's why we're trying to build a team. So, I mean, you know, it's 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 interesting because, I mean, in the interest of in the interest of complete transparency, the 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 theory that we're now trying to the theory that I'm now trying to test in WP Elevation is is WP Elevation a Troy Dean fan club, or is it really adding value? Is the content and the brand really adding value to our members? So here's the thing. What we need to do over the next six to 12 months is bring other people in to deliver some of the content and even bring other people in to host some of the podcast episodes because that will prove to me, like if our membership dwindles and fails and everyone aborts mission and jumps ship because I'm not the face of it anymore, then that proves to me that it's a Troy Dean fan club, which is okay. I just would (laughs) like to know that that's what the business is because that's going to inform our strategy moving forward. I would like to think that uh, that we add enough value and that and the, the content and the brand speaks for itself and that I can go and speak at conferences and I can host the occasional podcast episode and, and run the occasional webinar, but then we can bring other people in to the organization to help deliver that content and help train our, our members. So that's kind of the that's the next evolution and the next kind of growth phase of WP Elevation that we're going to go through. And now how, in, in terms of bringing other people in, you know, it's interesting, do you know uh, the guys over at Fizzle? With Corbett oh. Barr and uh, Chase Reeves and Caleb Wojcik, it, yeah, it, it's it's um. But the thing is, they have there are multiple people they that provide content and training and in, in, within the membership, and so now they started that model out that way. But how are you going to sort of prep your members? Have you been talking about it? Like, what is mm-hmm. the strategy to do that? Because I, I think whether it's a membership site and content or it's expanding or shifting. Um, you know, people get a little bit nervous about, well, this is working. <laughs> you know, how do I make yeah. that shift? So what's interesting is, you know, one of the things that, that, that there are some strategic decisions I made early on that um, that have kind of preempted this. So the, the members forum is really active and I'm not in there every day. I, I'm in the members forum maybe once or twice a week just kind of answering questions and, you know, directing traffic really, saying, hey, you should go watch this video. But what's really interesting is when anyone joins WP Elevation and they go and introduce themselves in the members forum, they get overwhelmed with the welcome that they get from the other members. And there's one of our members, Len, from Canada. He's amazing. He, like, 
he gives everyone this welcome when they join the forum and he tells them where to start and which videos to go watch first, right? And I feel like ringing, I feel like putting him on the payroll because he's like, he's doing so much of the heavy lifting for me. Like the onboarding, he basically handles the onboarding process for me, which is fantastic. The other thing that's interesting is we, I started a meetup group and I said to everyone, hey, if there's enough, if there are enough members in your area, we'll pay the meetup fees, but you have to organize the meetup the actual physical meetup because I don't have the bandwidth to do it. And by the way, I'm only here in Melbourne, so I can't organize one in New York, right? Right. So the Melbourne meetup, I think Melbourne's the only place that it's happened so far. We've had like five meetups and I, I haven't organized one of them. Our members have been organizing the meetup. I've attended, I've gone along and I've just participated as as if I'm like a member of WP Elevation. So I've I've kind of been putting this to the test really and saying, okay, well, you know, will they self-organize? Will these guys actually uh, keep the momentum going if I'm not the one pulling the levers. And to an extent, I'm 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 optimistic and I'm positive that uh, that the community will continue if I uh, reposition myself. So the way I intend to reposition myself is we intend to bring uh, someone else in uh, to co-produce a course that what and so the way that it will work is the course will sell as a standalone course and we'll split the revenue from that course with the person who co-produces the course with us so that's how they get that's the incentive for them right that course will then be offered to our members uh, as part of their membership so they don't have to buy the course but non-members can can buy the standalone course as a way of kind of getting to know what wp elevation is all about mm-hmm. our members will get that course as part of the membership I'll then bring that person in to run one of our monthly webinars as a way of introducing that person to our members and saying, hey, here's Paul, he's an expert in this, and he's going to teach you this. And you might see that there's a new course in the members' website that Paul and I produced, and it's about this. So that then lightens my load because I don't have to produce that webinar that month. It's up to Paul to produce that webinar as a positioning tool and as a way of introducing him to the audience. And then I might say, hey, Paul, as part of this deal, you also need to host a uh, episode of the podcast this month. Um, here's our process. Log into Asana. Here's how it all works. Here's a guest. Go interview them. Um, you know, send the video over here, and then that way there's one podcast episode and one webinar that I don't have to produce that month because Paul's doing it. And so what I can do is I can then go speak at a WordCamp, or I can then spend more time with you on your podcast, or I can go and spend more time with you know Matt on the Matt Report podcast because I'm not. Um, my my, I'm not the bottleneck in having to produce the webinars and the podcast for WP Elevation. And what a great opportunity to the, the collaborative effort of of introducing you know Paul to to your audience, and it, that's huge. It's a huge opportunity for them to get some exposure and connect with a community who's already interested in what they're doing, anyways. So it's it's a win win in that. You're providing him an opportunity, but you're also still providing great value to your members. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was talking to someone about this recently, and they said to me, it's all about trust. If your members and your audience trust you enough and you've got that trust with them, then you can introduce Paul as the expert and they will automatically trust Paul because, they, you know, he comes highly recommended by you. So, and I'm positive we do have that. I'm positive I do have that relationship with our members. And so that's the kind of thing that we need to be testing because the reality is, I mean, we're at 140 members now. We've got 140 gold members and we've got five platinum members. And so basically five platinum members get everything as a gold member, but they get one-on-one coaching with me on Skype twice a month. So we've got 140 gold members and five platinum members. And once you get to kind of 150, it's impossible for one person to lead that tribe because you know, it just becomes 
um, logistically impossible for me to keep in touch with 150 people right. and and sort of nurture them and help them with their business. But also, usually, what happens when a, when a, a, a tribe kind of gets to that size, they start to fragment. So there's a whole bunch of stuff happening in the UK right now. Culturally, I'm not across. I can't make it to WordCamp London. Um, I'm going to WordCamp Chicago. I'm going to try and go to WordCamp New York, but I can't go to all the WordCamps. But hey, wouldn't it be great if there was a WP Elevation mentor in the UK who could go to WordCamp London and go to WordCamp Norway this year and you know, rally the troops and get more people into the program and kind of lead the UK chapter of WP Elevation? I mean, for me, that means then that we're in a position where we can add value to our community and our members because if it's all reliant on me, that means the business is vulnerable, which means our ability to deliver value to our members is under threat. And that's why I'm trying to build some more structure to the business and get some more people to come in and actually help us deliver. So you're actually doing – this is great because, I mean, really, as you're scaling and growing your own business, you know, you've already been where a lot of your members are are now just going. But – as you scale and grow this, I mean, it, it's it's simply more content and it, it's it, you're walking the walk, basically. Besides what you've done, you're continually moving forward in your own business to leverage and scale it as you grow. Yeah, well, that's the theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you live, right? That's how we learn. We That's how yeah. we learn. So, yeah. you know, shifting a little bit to businesses and and because it's great. And I know we, we talked about this last time, but I, I think... It's it's very refreshing to find somebody who's got such a business structure within WordPress because to me and you know obviously it could just be my perspective my perception but there seems to sort of be this aversion to marketing and business and money within the WordPress community you know so why do you think why do you think that is it's 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 just kind of bizarre to me I really want to bridge this gap. Mm. Yeah, it's a really interesting um, conversation. Um, We kind of touched on on the. I don't know if you saw the WP think tank that we ran in February, um, but that you know that's a panel discussion about the future of WordPress. And Matt Mullenweg was on it. And we had Jake Goldman from Tenup and uh, Tom Wilmot from Human Made, and you know Scott Basgart from Woo Themes, who's now with Human Made. And um, you know we're talking about. I mean, there is this, there is this kind of perception that people who are making lots of money out of the WordPress ecosystem are you know. Are, greedy or that they're just cashing in or they're capitalizing or um and i I think it's i think it's a few things i think first of all the barrier to entry with wordpress is pretty low so what happens is people start using wordpress this happens all the time i have this conversation on a daily basis people start using wordpress to build their own site they then realize that they can do it a friend asks them oh can you help me do my wordpress site sure and everyone at this stage has got a a full-time job uh, then another friend says, hey, can you help me like you helped Brian? Yeah, sure. And then another friend says, and then Mr. Freelancer goes, hang on a second. I should. Char- I know how to do this. You guys don't. I should charge you for this. So what they do is they then have this idea that I'm going to build I- – I can be a freelancer building WordPress websites and I can quit my day job, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens is these people end up in these little WordPress businesses and they have no idea how to run a business. And that's pretty much how I started out. I had <laughs> no idea how to run it. You're right, right? Well, not All this type knew- of business anyways. <laughs> Yeah, so all I knew was that I had this skill set that people were willing to pay for, but I had no idea how to run a business. So then the idea, so there's all this, so first of all, there's all this stuff you have to learn about marketing and lead generation and customer relationships and all that kind of stuff. And then 
Because WordPress, so there's that coupled with the fact that because WordPress is open source and the community is so giving, and I know you go to the WordPress plugin repository and you go, oh my God, this is a, a veritable smorgasbord of amazing that I can just download and play with. How can I possibly charge my clients $500 to add an events calendar to their website when I download the plugin for free and it takes me three hours to set it up? And here's the thing. The value that you're adding to the client is not actually downloading the plugin and setting it up because if that was the value, you'd download it, you'd send it to them and you'd say, here you go, here's the zip file, knock yourself out. And they're going to come back to you and say, well, I don't know what I'm doing and how does this affect what we're doing here and how does it integrate with this? So the value that most WordPress freelancers don't understand, the value that you're adding is you are either solving a headache for your client or you are helping your client grow their business and add more value to their customers. And if you can start to think about yourself as a, an important link in the value chain, then charging you know, $5,000 for building a basic WordPress website doesn't seem ridiculous. But when you first start out, you just can't wrap your head around that because the software is free, the community is amazing, the plugins are free, it doesn't take very long to get it up and running. You know, How can I possibly charge five grand for this? So that's kind of the mental shift that I think I made and that's the mental shift that I think a lot of freelancers need to make if they want to build a sustainable business out of it. If you just want to do it as a hobby and you want to do it as a freelancer and you want to make you know 40 or 50 grand a year, knock yourself out. But if you want to actually build a business around it that can support your lifestyle so that you can employ other people to design and to do code and to do content strategy and you can just kind of you know, not be so stuck in the trenches, then you have to get out of that mindset and you have to start realizing that you need to charge reasonable fees so that you can build that kind of business. It sounds like you've done, well, you've obviously talked about this a lot. Do you do some of the mindset stuff? Is that part of what you guys are doing in WP Elevation? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, you know, I talk about positioning all the time and I talk about mindset a lot. And I, we also, you know, so I give scripts to our members, I'll give them little scripts for emails and phone calls, but I'll tell them to practice before, you know, practice this in the mirror, practice it with your colleagues, get on Skype with another elevator and practice this stuff before you try it in the wild because you have to get confident. You have to realize what you are worth and you have to realize the value that you add. And Tom Wilmot from Human Made said this amazing thing when I interviewed him on the podcast. I said, how do you stop competing on price? And he said, that's easy. When you start out, you'd be deliberately more expensive than everyone else. And you make sure that your work is amazing and you make sure that you understand how to communicate the value that you're adding to the project. Because, you know, if you have, if you start the conversation on price, it is a rapid race to the bottom. And you are, I would rather work, I would rather work a part-time job pulling beers three nights a week to pay the rent than spend four weeks building a website for 1200 bucks. Because in that four weeks, if I'm pulling beers three nights a week, and not building that website, all of a sudden, I'm still going to make 1200 bucks to pay the rent. And I've got all this time in my hands that I can use to blog and learn about WordPress and explore other plugins and connect with other people and contribute to the community and position myself better so that I can start going after higher projects. There's no point building a website for 1200 bucks if it's going to take you four weeks because that's just like throwing sand on the, on the cog of your business. Like all of a sudden, the whole business stops because you're in the trenches spending four weeks making 1200 bucks. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing <laughs> is, it, it's you also resent. You start becoming very resentful. And I know when exactly. I started, it was just I started getting so bugged. I'm like, you are not paying me enough. And it was me not setting boundaries and being very clear from the get go. And the other thing, you know, I love the value proposition here, and and really 
shifting. Everything you do online is providing value. If you just come from that place, you're not going to go wrong. And the other thing, I was listening to another podcast, I forget what it was, but they were saying in terms of selling your services and whatnot, it's to take yourself out of the ask, right? So if you're not, it's if it's not about you asking for money, it's about you providing value, all of a sudden that just is a no-brainer. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, that's right. I mean, you know, think about your favorite, like think about your favorite rock star, right? Like Pink is never going to walk up to you and say, hey, Kim, can I give you my autograph? <laughs> it's never going to happen, right? <laughs> you're going to chase her. If you're a pink fan, you're going to chase her around town. And like, you know, like, like a, like a tabloid photographer is going to chase a celebrity all over town trying to get the shot. The celebrity is never going to chase the photographer saying, Hey, here I am half naked and drunk getting out of a cab. Do you want to take a photo? Right. Can you please take my photo? So it's a, it's a demand thing. And, and that all comes down to positioning and perception. And so one very practical example, I was talking to one of our members recently who services uh, hairdressers and beauticians. That's the kind of the niche that she plays in. And I, you know, I said to her, you have to stop selling websites to hairdressers. Oh, but you know, I, I love hairdressers and I'm really passionate about them. I said, yeah, that's fine, but they don't want to buy websites. So stop selling them websites. What you need to do is start selling them a solution. You need to start saying to them, I can fill your salon on Tuesdays when you're quiet. I help hairdressers fill their appointment books on quiet days. Right now, part of that solution might include a website that happens to be built on WordPress, but stop selling them websites because they don't want a website. They want a full appointment book. God, that's awesome. (laughs) Have you had some, um, do you have any fun, uh, sort of testimonials or case studies of somebody that, that made a shift in in the group? And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but (laughs) sure I do. I'll send you a link. Actually, I've got, I've got two amazing video testimonials from, um, Jenny, uh, at the blog maven. Jenny Elliott, uh, she's from Alabama, and Christina Romero um, from uh, from KRM Designs, and I can't remember exactly where she's from, but I think she's from New York or, or New Jersey. Uh, she's going to kill me if I got that wrong. But they 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 like they posted their success stories in the forums, and I hit them up on Skype and I said I would love a video testimonial about that because I can't possibly articulate that in the way that you have, and also. There's kind of this thing where people don't, you know, people are skeptical when I talk to them because they think I'm just trying to sell them into the program. So I'll send you a link to those two video testimonials that are on our website. Okay, perfect. We'll get that in there. And then just wrapping up, what what, what recommendations or what do you see as opportunities for people who want to start a WordPress business or to grow a WordPress business? And whether it's, you know, through freelancing and client work or documentation, where do you see some opportunities? What do you think is happening? So... I think I think the WordPress development space is really crowded, and I think and I, I blogged about this on um, on TalkMag recently. I think there are opportunities for you know there are a lot of WordPress developers who service agencies, and that all the WordPress developers are blogging about plugins and about frameworks and about this and about that, and I think they're all kind of starting to sound and look and smell the same, and I mean that with all due respect. So I think the opportunity is for a WordPress developer. Who and there is an advantage of servicing agencies because you don't have to go and then find your own clients. The you just, the agency just gives you the work and the agency does the the client management work. But I think there's an opportunity to differentiate yourself and to and to to start producing some content or start producing some intellectual property that says to the agencies, "Hey, I've got this technical skill which you may or may not care about, but what what you probably care about is how my technical skill can help you sell more digital services to your clients." So, for example. I know how to build amazing 
landing page templates in WordPress and make them super easy in the back end for your client to switch and change and split test. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to produce an article on why split testing landing pages is beneficial for business. And I'm going to make a little infographic and show you, which you can do very easily and very quickly in like less than half an hour, you could produce this content. And then I'm going to send that to the agency and say, hey, uh, I'm happy to white label all of this so that you can then publish this for your clients because I think there's an opportunity here where you guys can sell landing pages to your clients and split testing to your clients. I can deliver it. I can deliver all the back end stuff and all the technical stuff. And here are the tools you need to sell that to your client. That's the that's the thing that no developers are doing. Developers are just saying, I know how to use Genesis and I know how to use WooCommerce and I know how to use this and I know how to use this. But they're not actually saying these technical skills you know, they're not explaining how this technical ability will help the agency sell more digital services to their clients because that's what the agency is actually interested in. So it's the same thing. It's go back to providing the solution. Absolutely. Right. Yep. So now, but you're talking, what about the independent WordPress freelancer or online marketer who doesn't work with agencies? Where do you think some yep. opportunities are there? So I, so I think the opportunity there is, um, and I'm all about differentiation. And again, I see a lot of WordPress freelancers, you know, talking about WordPress and, you know, because we fall in love with WordPress. And I think you should talk about WordPress in WordPress circles and at WordCamps and at meetups. But I don't think you should be talking to Word, about WordPress to clients when you first talk to them. You should be differentiating yourself by by getting really specific about the kind of client that you want to work with. And I know this sounds really trite and I know that it sounds, I mean, I'm hearing myself saying, I'm going, oh my God, I've said this a million times and everybody talks about getting clear about your niche. But here's the thing, you can't, you can't market to everyone all the time. You have to get really specific about who it is you want to do business with. Otherwise your message will not cut through. So I would, if I was starting out again, the first thing I would do is I would say, okay, who who is going to benefit the most from working with me? Who can I help the most? And I would and I would work work out who that person is. And I would just start. I'd probably start a podcast. In in hindsight, now knowing what I know, I'd probably start a podcast. And instead of starting another WordPress podcast, please do not start another WordPress podcast because there are so many WordPress podcasts which are great for WordPress developers and great for WordPress freelancers. But if you're a WordPress freelancer and you want to get clients, start a podcast that helps your clients. So for example. I spent a couple of years in the accounting niche, uh, servicing accountants. If I was starting out again and I decided I wanted to go after accountants, I would start an online business podcast for accounting firms. And I would position myself as the guy that can bring all of the accounting experts and all of the online business experts and all of the growth strategy experts together on a podcast to help local accounting firms get their head around how they can use the internet to grow their business, attract more staff and position themselves as a thought leader in, in their local area. I would start that podcast and share it with as many people in that industry as I possibly could. And you will get work. You will be cut, you will position yourself as an influencer and you will get work because you are seen as the go-to person that brings all of this amazing content to your audience. God, I love that. It's funny. I actually think I'm like, I actually don't talk about WordPress very much. Not as much as I probably should on my podcast. Um, But no, I think that's outstanding. So even podcasting, all the media, any content you're creating, if you're coming from the perspective, again, of who is that ideal client and what is the solution I provide, it's kind of a, I don't know, a no-brainer formula. It seems so obvious, but yet it's not. Because if you don't take that time to get clear, and I know I didn't for a long time. And it Mm. was a lot of it was, well, who am I? I'm not a coder, you know, and it was finally when I was like, 
knock it off. And I, I took the yeah. time. I literally got off the computer, wrote it all out, who they are, what they like to do, what, it, what are their problems. Things started flowing. Yep. Yep. Okay. I, you know, I think I think there are, I think there are two things. I think first of all, the imposter syndrome is ubiquitous. Everybody has imposter syndrome, so just get over it, right? And I mean that I mean that for the audience. Like everyone has imposter syndrome. Everyone feels at some point like they're a fraud because you know they might be a great coder, but hey, I don't use PHP Storm. I use you know this other text editor, and that doesn't. I'm not one of the cool kids, and I don't know Ruby and blah blah blah. I don't know Backbone, and you know I don't know Bootstrap, and I'm not as cool as those developers, so I, I feel like an imposter. Everybody feels like an imposter, so just put that to bed and get over it and the second thing is everyone has fear of missing out so everyone is <laughs> terrified of narrowing their niche because of all this other business i'm going to miss out on well here's the thing you have to do some kind of content strategy you have to do some kind of marketing to position yourself so you may as well make that specific it doesn't mean you're going to miss out on other business it just means that you're specifically targeting who it is that you want to attract into your orbit the fear of missing out it's funny i wrote a <clears throat> i don't you not Sorry, guys. I, I wrote a post recently about that because I guess it's a thing like like YOLO was for a little bit. FOMO, people were saying that. And yeah. it was. It's I, I'm in this mastermind and it's, it's all on Facebook advertising. But some of the what these guys are doing, it's like they're niche marketing and they, they've got this whole strategy and they're going gangbusters. And that's fantastic. But it, it's just one of those things. I was like, wait, should I be doing that? Should I be doing that? And I'm like, if you do not step back. And, and learn to take the strategies and apply it to what you're already doing yeah. and scale that, you're never going to get anywhere. And it was yeah. like, instead of a shiny object syndrome with, with products, I was doing it with methodologies. Well, I should try this, or I should try this, or I'm going to try Teespring. And I'm like, oh, my God, stop it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you said shiny object syndrome because that's exactly what I was about to say. It's one of those, it's like, you know, that, that one of those three-letter acronyms, you know. It's like, I always say SOS, F-O-M-O. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just I didn't think about it because I wasn't buying products necessarily, but I was like, yeah. well, this 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 is going to be the trick. And it's yeah. like, you know what? I'm in this for the long haul. And I think anybody listening and listening to you and your journey that's been seven years getting here, yeah. you know, that it's just you can you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I think at, at some point, you, you know that if you don't take the time to apply the strategies and to do the testing and step back and say, where where is truly the best use of my time? You just you can't grow. So, um, yeah. you know, I love that. And just lastly, I, I always ask a silly question, but is there anything fun that you would like to share with the audience that people may not know about you? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, um uh, yeah. Okay. A couple of things. Uh, when I was in my twenties, I was the lead singer in an eighties glam rock band <laughs> and, um, hair and so, all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the nineties, but we were like a retro eighties band and we were playing all the original stuff. And we we're like, so I would dress up in like six inch platform shoes and skin tight silver lycra pants and this full, you know, like, um, <laughs> full, like transvestite makeup on, on my face and nail polish and like full, full glam rock band. <laughs> Um, That's awesome. Which was awesome. That was a lot of fun. And also uh, in Australia, we have a um, uh, the chocolate company Cadbury uh, had a jingle for their TV commercials, and it was based on the the Beach Boys song "Wouldn't It Be Nice." And so I sang the Cadbury jingle here in Australia. And if anyone, like whenever I tell people in Australia that, they go, they recognize it straight away. They go, oh, my God, that's you. So uh, if you're not in Australia, it might not make sense. But if you know the Cadbury jingle, then, yes, I'm the guy that sang that. That is super fun. Thank you. I'm going to see if I can <laughs> dig that up somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll send you a link because I'm pretty sure it's on my website somewhere. So I'll send you a link to it. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Troy. Again, I love speaking with you and this was a lot of fun. And, you know, we'll put everything in the show notes, but where's the best place for people to connect with you? 
the best place is probably on Twitter at Troy Dean uh, or hit me up on the WP Elevation blog, which is WPElevation.com. All right. Thanks again, Troy. This was fantastic. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kim. Thank you for being here with me and coming along this journey <laughs> and being amused um, when I think I'm funny. So well, hopefully you do. Um, but leave me a comment. And if you haven't already, I would love a review in iTunes. That helps a lot. But I would love a review in iTunes. It just takes a few minutes. Go over to, you know, you can subscribe in iTunes. Um, there is a link on the show note, but just look for the word press chick podcast. You can search it, um, and leave a review and, um, we will be talking soon. 